Thanks for downloading the Tudor and Stuart Ireland Conference Podcast. The conference took place in University College Dublin on the 2nd and 3rd of September 2011 and saw over 50 speakers from Ireland and beyond come together to share their ideas in an interdisciplinary forum. In association with HistoryHub.ie, the majority of the papers are available for podcasting via the HistoryHub.ie website and on iTunes. In this episode, a recording of a paper by Dr. John Bergen, visiting research fellow at Queen's University Belfast. His interests include the penal laws and Catholic politics in the late 17th and 18th centuries, elite Irish Catholics in England, 1670 to 1800, and the history of divorce in Ireland. His paper examines the work of James II's Irish Parliament of 1689. Uh, This is, uh, as sometimes happens, not precisely the paper as advertised. Um, I was going to give a paper I gave at a conference in the University of Bangor a couple of years ago um, with James and Owen. On rereading it, however, I felt less than satisfied with it. Um, It discussed a few points about James II's Irish Parliament of 1689 and in particular its legislation. And if it contained an original observation or two, that was only because a thorough assessment of the legislative record of that parliament has not yet begun. One of the reasons for this lacuna in the scholarship of Jacobite Ireland is that there are some problems with the record of the parliament, as is well known. I would prefer today to discuss these and to report on some work undertaken by Dr Andrew Lyle, recently retired from the School of Law here in UCD, and by myself. This work consists of the identification and transcription of all the acts of the Parliament known to survive, and it has benefited from the cooperation and advice of several other scholars and custodians of records, notably the late Miss Pollard, Professor Niall Osborough, and Dr Muriel McCarthy, as well as several people in this room today, and they'll know who they are. Um, Scholars who wish to study the legislation of James II's Parliament will find no single convenient source to consult. They may quickly formulate some questions. Do all of the acts survive? Apparently not, they will learn. How many are missing? Why are there different copies and editions of those which survive? Are there differences between these? If so, do they matter? Do some copies have greater authority than others? How have such copies as survive come down to us? And so on. Well, the short answer is that 25 of 35 acts survive. 17, strictly 16 and a half, uh, one is incomplete, survive in contemporary, officially printed editions. One very important act, the Act of Attainder, survives not in an official edition, but as an appendix to a near-contemporary polemical work, but it appears to be a fairly reliable text. Four of the acts were for private individuals, and such acts would not normally have been officially printed in any case. A further 11 survive in manuscript in Marsh's library, Four or four and a half, you'll have to excuse this, uh, there's one act which survives in half in, in one location and in full in another place. So let's say four and a half of the Marsh's Library ones are unique copies. All these Marsh's Library copies appear to be reliable texts. <coughs> the most accessible edition is not the best text, wouldn't you know? Though it's not seriously deficient as a text. Um, most scholars, however, would probably prefer to have the best of text available, and would certainly prefer to be able to obtain the text of all the surviving acts in a single location, I believe. This work um, here unfortunately contains the text only of 10 of the 25 surviving acts. And apart from some small points about the text not always being the best available, there is the fact, as Brian Farrell noted in his article on the Parliament in 1973, um, 
The Duffy edition substantially abbreviates the original articles, omitting, among other things, many references to and critical remarks on sources. The doyen of scholarship of James II's reign in Ireland was undoubtedly the late Gerald Sims, most of whose work has not been superseded by more recent research. He was not, however, aware of all the extant copies and did not see all those of which he was aware. He did not, in fact, I think, see any more acts than Thomas Davis had more than a century before him. I will return to the sources on which Davis and Sims relied after I've discussed the contemporary, officially printed and considerably fuller sources. Um, This is the first page of what I'll call the British Library set. A contemporary and official printing, almost certainly official. I say almost because it's missing its title page. And all pages, however many they may have been, after page 56. Um, Though it is most regrettably incomplete, it still contains the sole copies of no fewer than six acts, not to be found anywhere else. It's a fairly typical example of of official printing of Acts of Parliament of the era, in black letter and with chapter numbers and um, indeed useful marginal notes. Um, Collating and comparing this with the other surviving officially printed acts is instructive. Um, it's now easily available to scholars, thanks, thanks to early English books online, to which it was added about three years ago, I think. It has not yet been much used by scholars. Um, one English scholar who has cited it has done so in such a way as to make it uh, rather difficult, I'd say impossible, to locate in the British Library catalogue or um, the Ebo online catalogue, <clears throat> which is the reason I give the wing number I322E, because if anyone would like to look at this, I suggest search... Um, Ebo uh, uh, by bibliographic number and that will bring it up instantly otherwise you could spend an hour looking for it and still fail Sims incidentally had been informed of its existence by the late Miss Pollard but does not appear to have seen it Um, yes there are two acts whose title only is given in the British Library set but they however have been uh, separately printed they are also black letter editions and appear very similar in style to the British Library set Um, so there's actually two copies of this separately printed one. They're identical, two, definitely two copies of the same printing, uh, one in the British Library uh, and one in the King's Inn's Library. Um, uh, this is just the title page. Uh, it has a title page, unlike the, um, the British Library set, as I call it. But really, I mean, I wish I was an expert bibliographer or could consult an expert bibliographer. Uh, if anyone has bibliographical expertise, I'd be glad to avail of it. Um, but to someone who is not expert in these matters, um, these different printings appear so similar in style. In fact, there are individual letters. The G in the Anno Regni on the top line here um, appears to me throughout the different what I, black letter editions to be the same letter. But as I say, I'm not expert in these matters. Um, and uh, so, okay, there's a. Again, chapter 7 here, you see there's just a title given in the British Library set. But again, fortunately, we do have a copy of the missing act. Uh, in this case, in special collections in UCD. And this um, water-stained, rather fragile um, item is the sole surviving copy of this act. Um, I think um, Professor Osborough, who has been sleuthing, as he would put it, for the 1689 acts for some years, may have first noticed the UCD copies, or noticed their significance at least, um, the British Library set unfortunately stops on page 56 in mid-act um, and presumably well, there was at least one more page 
How many? Well, we cannot say. Um, I suspect, as I said, the private acts were not printed, and I think there's good reason for believing that the act of attainder was never printed, or to suspect that it was never printed. Um, as it happens, this act, which is incomplete here, we have a, a, a complete uh, manuscript copy in Marsh's library. Um, and Sorry, I'm, I'm going to sit now for a little while. Um, Okay, I've noticed that the two acts whose title only are given in the British Library survive in separately printed copies. The British Library set contains the lengthy act of repeal in full, but again, a separate copy survives in UCD, and the late Miss Pollard is also responsible for this information communicated to Professor Osborne. Um, the curious thing about this one is that it, um, it has page numbering, unlike most of the separately printed ones, and it begins on page 9. So it's actually... The British Library set also begins the act of repeal on page 9. So it has some relationship, but it's not quite identical. There are small differences in the layout and the, the use of type and uh, even line breaks. Um, so I don't know what the relationship is exactly, but um, this gives the correct... This is called Chapter 4 in this separately printed Trinity College edition. Um, it's Chapter 2 in the British Library set, but that's an error in the British Library set because it actually appears between Chapters 3 and 5. So this is... <clears throat> I suppose the gist of my message here is that <clears throat> there was a good deal of official printing going on. In fact, I think there are several different versions of the Acts. There's probably at least two compilations, um, and goodness knows how many separately printed individual Acts. My next point was that these acts were subject not only to the usual accidents of survival, but the fact that for a long time after 1689 there may have been a wariness about possessing material uh, which could be compromising. So a question about the British Library set is, what might occur to one is, where did it come from? And also, why has it remained so obscure until recently? Um, sorry, uh, I'll just move ahead here. Um, well, it came to the British Library as part of the bequest of the great English book collector Thomas Grenville, and uh, this collection contains uh, quite a lot of important material for Irish history, which was evidently one of Grenville's interests. He and or the catalogers of his library had connections with some contemporaries who shared these interests. The published catalogue of his library makes several references to the Irish priest, Dr Charles O'Connor, grandson of the famous antiquarian, and the page here, um, again, I'm sorry, but I have to stand for this. Um, boxed in red is the British Library set of acts, which is described as a collection of proclamations, declarations, etc., in the reign of James II from the 6th of February 1684 to the 15th of June 1690. It says nothing about the acts. Um, Below it is a very well-known pamphlet, a full and impartial account of the secret consuls, negotiations, etc., of the Romish party in Ireland. And there's a manuscript note which is in the original item saying this is a very curious and scarce tract. I've been searching for it in public and private collections for 15 years. I procured it on substitute date 1828. C. Butler. C. Butler, I think, was Charles Butler, an English Catholic lawyer, secretary to the English Catholic Committee, who had formerly been a pupil of a great Catholic lawyer, Matthew Dwan. Um, with uh, considerable historical and antiquarian interests and who was the um, owner of uh, a set of Bellings' uh, History of the Confederate Wars in Ireland. So but Grenville seems to have had some connections with people who were 
perhaps collecting material like this in 18th century London. Um, the compilers of this catalogue do not seem to have appreciated the importance of the item, you know, uh, which is curious. Uh, they thought that the, uh, well, somebody thought that the um, uh, secret consuls of the Romish party was very important, um, but didn't think that um, the acts of James's parliament were important. Um, Access to Grenville's library was easily obtained, and this first volume of the catalogue appeared in Grenville's lifetime in 1842, in fact. And at this very time, Thomas Davis was ransacking the libraries of Dublin for materials for the history of the 1689 Parliament and had to make do with much less satisfactory material. Um, Davis relied principally on another unofficial compilation. This was part of the avalanche of reporting and polemic on Irish affairs pouring from printing presses in London during the war between Kings James and William. This compilation contained only ten acts and was a bit of a scissors and paste job. We don't know precisely what all its sources were. Um, At least one item was lifted from an official printing with the original marginal notes, and it's the act which starts halfway down the the page on the right-hand side there. Um, And this item was reprinted without any acknowledgement in 1740 by the printer to the University Press in Dublin, Ebenezer Ryder. Um, And this is the title page of Thomas Davis's own copy now in Marsh's library. Uh, The introduction to this work states, The following pieces are published for no other reason but to entertain the curious and learned, for none other, I am assured, will either buy or read them. They contain something uncommon in regard to this nation and in a great measure discover the genius, interests and views of the majority of the sitting members of Parliament in this kingdom in the year 1689, not taken notice of by the historians. How just or unjust they were, it is not my business to say. Presumably this venture had some success, for the acts were printed again in 1751 as part of a larger compilation, and in 1756... What was the audience for these publications? I mean, I've no idea. What's the context? Who's buying them? Somebody must have been buying them if they were printed three times. Um, I'm entirely ignorant. I would greatly welcome enlightenment. Um, Davis, um, incidentally, was well aware that Ryder's 1740 edition was based on on the 1690 compilation. Um, Davis published a series of four articles in the Dublin magazine in 1843. These are famous, but one suspects very rarely consulted. Um, The National Library set is missing one of the four issues, and uh, I'm not aware of any other library in Dublin which holds uh, all four of the issues of the Dublin magazine. Again, can anyone help? Um, I'd like to see it, and uh, I have to say it's it's splendid stuff. Um, so much rubbish and mediocre stuff is becoming available online. I have trolled, incidentally, for online, and the New York Public Library has put the 1841 and 1842 issues of the Dublin magazine online on the Internet Archive, but not 1843. <clears throat> um, so, um, for the act of attainder, Davis relied on the copy printed as an appendix to Archbishop William King's State of the Protestants. This is not the only copy, but it is the best or least worst, least bad, (coughs) sorry. Um, Davis discussed the complicated questions of the authenticity of this act and uh, whether it was promulgated. His discussion remains, as far as I know, the only scholarly treatment of these matters, and it seems very likely that it was never printed or otherwise promulgated. Um, The other prime source for the acts is a set of 11 manuscript copies in Marsh's library. These were unknown to Davis. They are listed, though not very clearly identified, in the library's printed catalogue of 1913. 
Um, I mean, only one of them, I think, is given a year, and it's attributed to 1690. So that may have misled scholars. Sims does not mention them, and the first scholar who does was apparently Brian Farrell in 1973, and four or five of these 11 acts are unique copies. Where did these acts come from? A handwritten note in the Marshall's Library reading room copy of the printed catalogue by Newport White, the librarian and compiler of the catalogue, remarks that these are part of a collection of materials which may appear to have belonged to Archbishop King. Um, They appear to be careful and authentic copies. Questions about the printing of the Acts are not simply matters of technical bibliographical interest. Whether and how the Acts were promulgated is a question of historical significance. One of the officially printed Acts which survives not only in the BL set but also separately was the Act of Recognition. One of the separate copies is also in the British Library. A further five copies are held in the Parliamentary Archives, formerly the House of Lords Record Office, of course, These were found by English officials in 1689 in an intercepted packet sent from Dublin by an English Jacobite named William Bromfield to his friend George Throckmorton in Hertfordshire with a letter dated 9th of June. Now, I know of the dates on which the Royal Assent was given to just a few of the Acts, four of the 35, and these four may well have been the first four Acts to receive the Royal Assent. That at least is suggested by the fact that they are given the first four chapter numbers in the official compilation. Um, the legislation of the Parliament is sometimes discussed as if it became a dead letter almost immediately as James's government became preoccupied with war the sources for the administrative history of this period are so poor that it's very difficult to judge um, four of the acts are mentioned in proclamations of 1689 and 1690 I must acknowledge that while I had done some investigation of this I have benefited considerably from having sight of um, the important forthcoming edition of Irish Proclamations 1660 to 1820 edited by Jimmy Kelly and Marianne Lyons uh, coming from the Irish Manuscripts Commission. Um, Two of the references uh, might be said to provide for the partial suspension rather than enforcement of the Acts, it must be admitted, and those are references to the Acts of Repeal and Act of Attainder, and that, in fact, kind of confirms things we already knew about uh, uh, James's concern about these Acts becoming a distraction from the war effort. Um, In early 1690, of course, the English Parliament passed an Act declaring the Acts of 1689 null and void. In February 1695, the English House of Commons ordered the common hangman to burn the Act of Recognition and two proclamations of the reign of James II. No particular occasion for this, it appears. In 1695, the Williamite Irish Parliament passed its own Act, making the Acts of 1689 void and requiring the enrolled Acts to be destroyed. I do not, however, think that there was um, any intention or requirement that printed copies in private possession should be destroyed, and the records of the English House of Lords preserve, as we have noticed, five copies of the Act of Recognition to this day. Um, Sims observed that Irish Catholics made little reference to the Parliament of 1689 for most of the 18th century. Um, The provenance of such officially printed copies of the Acts as survive uh, is a mystery to me. I've come across no reference to them before their appearance in the Grenville Library Catalogue of 1842. There is one probable exception. An elderly Irish Catholic lawyer who practised as a chamber councillor in London died in 1726, leaving a library of about 400 items. Uh, In part a personal collection, reflecting among other things his historical and theological interests, and in part a lawyer's working library. Uh, To the working part of the library, no doubt, belonged uh, Cawley's work of 1680 on the laws against recusants. 
Um, to the antiquarian part, uh, perhaps the um, uh, laws and ordinances of the protectorate. Um, the last item on this page of the sale catalogue, described as Irish Statutes 1688, was probably a set of the Acts of 1689. Uh, there's lots of small errors in this catalogue, no doubt. A bookseller's assistant was sent into the chambers in Lincoln's Inn to go through the old lawyer's books. Um, uh, he might have thought that there couldn't have been a parliament in um, Ireland in 1688. Who knows what he thought? Uh, that's my conjecture. Um, but there's simply no other compilation of Irish statutes printed anywhere close to, the, to, to this date. And on this matter, Professor uh, Osborne's opinion communicated to me is, in the catalogue of Maloney's library, the Irish statutes given the date 1688 will, of course, be the statutes of James II's Irish Parliament of 1689. A legal principle regarding dating enables me to say that. <clears throat> End of quote. Um, so, in summary, what do uh, Andrew Lyle and I hope to make available? Well, simply transcripts of what appear to be the best texts of the surviving 25 Acts. Um, the best copies appear to be the black letter and manuscript editions, which are either laborious to read or require a personal visit to Marsh's library. We intend to publish the text of these Acts, probably online, with some very basic scholarly apparatus. Um, probably the source will be noted, as well as other printings, classified as, I suggest, contemporary or near-contemporary, that is, 1689 to 91, or later, that is, uh, 1740 onwards. A few variations between texts might be noted. In this uh, example, there is a very minor variation even between the two official printings. I would be very glad to have your views, suggestions, questions, Above all, of course, intelligence as to the whereabouts of any of the missing acts. And I might just leave a, a list of them there for a moment. So, thank you.